Guten Tag, and welcome to the latest episode of the Online Warriors podcast. Uh, as always, I am Illegal86, one of your three hosts. I am also joined by my good friend, Tectic. Hey, how's it going? And my also good friend, the Nerd Bomber. Guten Tag. Guten Tag. I think Guten Tag actually might, might actually be good afternoon. I might have screwed up right away. Um, I know it's German, guys, but I don't know exactly. It might be good evening. I don't know. I was again we don't know when you're listening to this so i guess it really doesn't matter the point is we're here uh give yourself a pat on the back for surviving another week on this crazy world and uh we're here to talk to you about some nerd things once again we're going to talk about maybe some of the biggest gaming news to come out of this past week which is the announcement of half-life alex uh we're going to be talking about google stadia which is being i think rolled out as we speak some early reviews are coming out there's a lot to dissect there and then of course we're going to be uh getting down and dirty with miles garrett and that came out wrong but we're going to be talking about miles garrett is what i mean and if you don't know who miles garrett is oh well we'll explain that um but I, before we get into things you know uh how are you how are you guys doing over there i'm doing pretty good how are you how are you doing nerd bomber I'm doing okay. I've had a very busy week, so looking forward to having a good discussion that's not about work things. Well, I, yeah, I think we can help with that. So let's get right into it, and let's talk a little bit about Half-Life Alex. So first of all, have you guys ever played any of the Half-Life games? I unfortunately have not. So I'm a big fan of the what I like to call the orange box grouping right. of games, and you have played some of that, aka Portal 1 and Portal 2. Right, but I don't. Th- that's not part of Half Life, right? No. So, so, so Half Life is. Uh, it's more of like a classic shooter, I would say. Um, I actually, I don't think I've played Half Life One. I have played Half Life Two, which is kind of backwards, but Half Life Two was amazing. Uh, one of my favorite shooters ever. I actually played it on the PC, which I don't really PC game very much. That's this was uh, way back a long time ago that I played this, but I really enjoyed it. And um, Half Life Two. Uh, instead of coming out with Half-Life 3, what Valve did is they came out with what are called Half-Life Episode 1, Half-Life 2 Episode 1, and Half-Life 2 Episode 2, which is kind of confusing. I don't know why they didn't just come out with Half-Life 3, but uh, Episode 2 was way back in 2007, and people have been waiting for Half-Life 3 for I don't even know how long. What has been announced, uh, you actually might not even call it Half-Life 3. Uh, what it's being called is Half-Life Alex, and it is it's uh it's it's valve's first flagship vr game so the company apparently uh announced earlier on that it would build three full-length vr games and this is the first of them so there's a lot to be excited about here especially if you're a fan of valve first of all they're getting into the vr platform uh second of all if you're a half-life fan this is obviously really good news for you i have not played half-life 2 episode 2 and i'm told that it ended on a cliffhanger so people might be excited to see if anything is resolved there I've also uh, been made aware of kind of a Valve conspiracy theory, which is that apparently Valve has a hard time counting to three. When you look at some of their past games, Team Fortress, Portal, Left 4 Dead, Dota, and Half-Life, they all have sequels. None of them have third installments. Uh, So we could be bucking a major trend here. It's crazy, too, because all of those franchises are like wildly successful games. I know I'm a big Left 4 Dead fan, and I've been waiting for Left 4 Dead 3 forever. And there's been so many games that like have copied that general play style and game style. But it would just be nice to have a Left 4 Dead 3. Maybe that'll be the next VR. Man, that would be amazing. I also love Left 4 Dead. Uh, one of my favorite zombie franchises, especially Left 4 Dead 2. Uh, they introduced a lot of new content that was built on top of Left 4 Dead 1. It was awesome. I have never played Team Fortress, um, but I know people who pretty much swear by it uh as you mentioned tactic the orange box is like a big thing that's kind of what i'm hoping spins off of this vr experience is a new is a vr team fortress because the builds and the huge following behind that whole game dynamic is astronomical and people are still making new builds and levels and things like that in team fortress so i haven't even played portal 2 i'm behind is what i'm learning I have not played Portal 2. I actually, I'm trying to think. I might have started Portal 2. I did. I started Portal 2 and I didn't finish it, which I know Valve fanboys out there are probably pretty upset with me right now. I mean, it's not even the Valve fanboy thing. It's like literally one of the best couch co-op experiences you can ever have, period. Hands down, no debate. Yes. 
Or it can put incredibly frustrating if your partner can't figure out puzzles. That would be me. Still fun, though. Wow. Um, Well, I will take that into account, I guess. I'm excited about about Half-Life Alex. I don't know what their plans are as far as... And this article that I have in front of me does not say if this is going to be just a computer thing, if it's also going to be a PSVR thing. You know, they've released uh, the portals on PlayStation and Xbox, as far as I'm aware. Uh, I actually played Portal 2 on a computer as well. I used to have a gaming computer, and then I sold it. Um, so I haven't been PCing very much. But yeah, I don't know. I, I'm definitely there on Half-Life, Alex. And if you haven't played Half-Life 2, you should really, really check it out. It'll be really interesting to see how this will be as a VR title. Um, because, I mean, there are so many different VR titles, but I feel like there are not many full VR experiences, so to speak. Like, you don't really see major flagship games developed solely for VR. Obviously, you see ports like Doom and Skyrim and Borderlands all got VR adaptations, but the the base game, the regular like couch or desk game came first. So it'll be interesting to see if this will spawn like a new era of VR specific titles that are AAA titles. Because really, if you think about it, there's not many AAA VR games. There's plenty of really awesome VR games that are super technically amazing achievements and graphically are a lot of fun and immersive but when it comes down to having that like big triple a experience there's not many out there so it'll be interesting to see how well this does and if the success will spark something more along triple a vr titles i think what i'm really excited about is the fact that again with half-life 2 kind of being my point of reference graphics have come so far since a half-life game came out that like, I mean, 2007, the Xbox 360 was, like, not even out for that long at that point. So, like, there's a lot of room to grow for the graphics. And the world building in Half-Life 2 was really great. It was one of the more vivid dystopias that I can remember. Also, a lot of fun with physics to be had, kind of similar to Portal. So, I think that it could just be a really, really great playground for VR. And you make a great point that as I sit back and think about... I mean, you mentioned Skyrim. You mentioned Doom. I think you mentioned one other one, but uh, you mentioned a bunch of AAA games that were essentially ports. And um, I'm going to talk about actually Doom later when we get to our What Are You Up To Wednesday. But we haven't seen a full-fledged sequel of a franchise go to VR, kind of like what Valve is hoping to do here. So it could be really interesting to see if um, if a company has enough faith in VR and their own ability to develop in VR to actually, like you said, make... Uh, a richer experience with some of their existing IP. Um, and I mean, for such a, a flagship IP, I mean, people have been waiting for a new Half-Life installment for so long. And it would almost be akin to like the next Marvel movie being announced to be in either VR or like only 3D. And it's just right. an interesting choice. I wonder how many people are interested enough in Half-Life and who are eagerly awaiting the sequel to really jump in then and get the next VR platform that maybe they haven't gotten yet maybe they're holding off and maybe this will be the thing that really compels them to buy into valve's vr systems i'm willing to bet that they make a spin-off game of this one where it'll be inclusive for those who don't have vr similar to what super hot did where you can do the play the game with the vr experience and move the the hands and everything around but you can also play it with a normal controller and well, just Super lose Hot some. actually was a indie non VR game, and then um, as VR became a little bit more popular, they they delved into it, and I think it, it actually fits the VR format better than the controller format. But it actually it's that's just another port though. Like we've seen a lot of ports. There's obviously a lot of dedicated indie games, but not a lot of ports that are super popular and started as VR exclusive. I'm just saying, do be inclusive for those who don't have a VR so that they can still get the game story experience, but won't need to invest into a, into a VR. So I, I am curious, you know, I mean, I think, as I, as I think about it more, I think the answer to why this is happening, why there aren't as many AAA titles on VR, I think it's fairly obvious, which is that there's just, is it that the technology just isn't quite there yet? Is it that you're inherently restricted by VR no matter what you do and it's never going to get any better. I mean, I don't know. Like, it, It's hard for me to imagine, as great as this sounds, it's hard for me to imagine the Half-Life experience as I know it in VR. The Half-Life experience is a lot of walking around with a gun in front of you. And granted, I have played VR games like that. I mentioned Farpoint, I think, last week. But um, I think that's a 
tends to be a pretty tricky format in VR. I think VR is much more focused on immersion than it is on any sort of combat. So I'm curious to see if this could be a gateway. And I'm also curious to see if Valve, if this is what Valve is considering to be Half-Life 3, or if there is an even larger uh, Half-Life game on the horizon. But either way, uh, there is actually going to be uh, Thursday, this coming Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific time, um, Valve is going to be fully unveiling Half-Life Alex. So right now they pretty much just mentioned this is what this new game is, but they haven't shown us anything. Um, so Thursday could be a pretty big day. Um, and if you're listening to this on the day we release it, set your alarm clocks for tomorrow at 10 a.m. Pacific time and make sure to do all the time zone math. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what their plan is. Because like you said, there are a lot of limitations with VR. I think some of it is the technical aspect. But I think a lot of it too is just the adoption rate is not there if you're putting a, a major title and investing the time to develop a VR game, which is a very intensive process. I feel like you want to ensure that you have your monies or the ability to get your money back by having a big install rate on the platform that you're going to put it on. And not to mention, like I don't know how you get around the motion sickness issue. Because even having your VR legs, eventually you can only play a game for so long, I would say, at least for most people. I think people tend to cap out around a couple hours, even if they are very experienced VR players, just because you get tired and you get sick. So I'll be interested to see what they've got up their sleeve on Thursday. Yeah, for me, I mean, it, uh, man, my VR experience, it probably tops out in an hour. Like even as as immersed I've been in VR and, and my PSVR experience has been largely positive i i don't get sick as much which is surprising because i'm very uh prone to motion sickness for those that know me but i get headaches and i just like it's a heavy headset to be wearing on your head and after an hour i just i need to take a break and that that is definitely a drawback to it's in as much as vr is immersive it's harder to for vr games to suck you in because you can't just lose an entire day to it, which you certainly can if you're me with just sitting in front of a screen with a controller. Um, so I, yeah, I will be curious. I mean, that's, that's one of the challenges of VR. And if there's any company that could uh, figure out a way around that, I would suppose valve would be one of them. So I'll be curious to see what happens. Big things happening on the VR front, on the valve front, big things happening on the gaming front in general. Um, because on the day that we record this, which is Tuesday, um, Stadia has officially launched. So um, we talked about Google Stadia. Oh boy. I mean, we've, we probably talked about it a few times, but either way, it's been a, a while. So I'll just run people through um, some of the specifics right now. Um, essentially, Google is uh, launching a new cloud gaming service called Stadia today, um, which some are likening to the Netflix of video games. Basically, you can stream and play games through smartphones, web browsers, or even through your Chromecast. Um, Subscriptions, a current subscription, which I think is like a a launch special, uh, is $130 and comes with a Stadia controller, a Chromecast dongle, three months of usage, and a free pass so a friend can also play with you. Uh, Next year, Google is planning to roll out another option called Stadia Pro, which will cost $9.99 a month and include a rotating free game as well as a free-to-play version of Stadia with a lower resolution. So um, there's kind of a lot to process here, um, but we have kind of been seeing some news trickle out in the past couple of days uh, about the Stadia experience. Um, And from what I have read, I've read a few articles, it seems like it's a very uneven experience. Um, Stadia is obviously kind of their big thing is have console quality gaming without a console and it's all in the cloud. Um, you don't have to wait to install games. They're all already there, etc. Um, they actually also recently, I think last week, uh, doubled the number of titles that will be available to play on day one destiny two being kind of the big one that they're touting. Um, the problem is, is the same as the solution though, in that you're super, super reliant on Wi-Fi, um, And a lot of people are kind of saying that, um, you know, at times it's almost unplayable because it just depends so much on what kind of internet connection you have. And I don't know, for me, this is kind of 
an expected result. I don't know what people were expecting. I mean, what do you guys think about this? Would you buy Stadia? Are you surprised that there are some bumps in the road early on? This feels very Google glassy to me. And what I mean by that is, in theory, sounds like an awesome, really cool piece of technology. It's going to be something that's going to change the game. However, it's just way too ahead of its time. And we're just not there yet. And I just keep seeing it time and time again fall flat on its face with these expected nuances. Yeah, so so Kotaku has uh, their impression of Google Stadia. The title of the, of the article is Google Stadia Just Ain't It, which, again, I think that is kind of the, um, the overall sentiment. Uh, I do agree with you that maybe we're just not there yet. I'm also not sure that we're ever going to be there. Um, and I would like to think that I voiced this concern when we first talked about Stadia a while ago. I'm just not sure that phasing out consoles is ever going to take off, both because of the technical aspect and I think there's a there's a psychological aspect to it as well. You know, and I know, I know it is coming back to me. We definitely talked about how there's something about a physical game. There's something about holding a copy of a game or even holding a console or, you know, a controller that you bought or something that... I think you feel so much more like you're getting what you pay for that I don't know if you could get with Stadia. I don't necessarily agree with that, but I have a lot of thoughts and I want to run through them before I forget them. Um, Please do. So Google Stadia as a service, I'm not buying into. The first thing that kind of offsets or off puts me a little bit is the fact that it's only launching with like under, I think it's 30 games. It's in the 20s somewhere. And I think if you're launching a platform that's leveraging the power of PC gaming, honestly, because that's really what they're doing is they're going to tap into like the Steam library of games and leverage the cloud to bring it to you without a console or a PC. um, I think you have to launch with more than just 20 some games. I think that's a, a huge miss. I also don't like the fact that they're delaying features. So I don't think that you should be able to announce a service as a company at least in my opinion, you shouldn't be able to announce a service that you think will be available at launch and then be like, you know what, guys, buy into it, pre-order this. But those services that we said that we'd give you, all of those features are not going to be available for a while. And we can't give you a definite end date when those things will be implemented. I just, I don't like that. I don't think that's a good business practice. I don't believe that. I don't know. I think that's that's a terrible thing to do, like to buy into as a subscription model. Um I also then, I don't necessarily agree that streaming isn't the way of the future, though. Um, I think Microsoft has a little bit of a leg up on Google here, just because they've been so ingrained in the gaming community. And um, XO19 actually just occurred, I think, last week, last week, Thursday. And one of the things that they announced was um, that xCloud, their answer to the streaming and a gaming library that's digital um, is going to include all of your ex- any game that you own, any game that's on Game Pass, which is a huge, staggering library at this point. And they seem like they have the the widespread gaming infrastructure and gaming knowledge and background to pull something like this off. And they seem like they're taking the time, they're doing the the beta testing. They have the existing platform to really test this out and take it the distance. I just don't know if I trust Google with that because they have that history of dropping projects after a year or two when they don't succeed the way that they think they will. I couldn't imagine spending $127 on a founder's pack just to have basically a brick in a couple years when Google decides that Stadia is no longer something they want to pursue. I just, I couldn't imagine that. I will say that that Game Pass has been an incredible value and I'm still buying games, but man, it makes it very difficult to want to buy games because there's so many games on that service that I could see in some future, if I stop caring about physical game discs, I could see myself going on Game Pass and never buying a game again. I mean, we got to play Gears right when it just came out. Right. I I mean, and that's the thing, right, is that like in the midst of all the people complaining about, you know, latency issues and stuff and and like you said the the size of the library which i do want to note also i have a list in front of me i think 30 is about right i haven't counted one of the games is farming simulator 2019 so um 
I don't count that. If you're a farming simulator person out there and you're mad at me, tweet at me uh, at OWLegal86. Um, I, you know, the, I, I think outside the technical questions, one of the biggest questions that you should be able to answer with a resounding no is, do you really need this? I mean, the $129 price point for the Founders Pack as it stands right now, you are halfway to a console with that. So even if you have a if you have a console right now and you're feeling like it's stale, you feel like you need something new, with a Founders Pack, you're halfway to a console that I'm sure has many, many more game options than than Stadia has. And any features, quote unquote features, that Stadia is claiming to have over consoles right now are in beta at best and frustrating at worst. So yeah, I mean, for me, this is a non-starter. I, I, I think cloud gaming is a thing and I, I think it's far more likely that you have a console that's tied to a cloud gaming experience than just having you know a stadia and a, and a chromecast um but yeah i mean i without without playing it without seeing it obviously uh, i kind of agree that i just i don't think this is it i want it to be it um but at the same time like i said i can definitely relate to people who want to hold something in their hand so you think you might eventually be able to just go all cloud gaming, no physical copies. I think personally for me, I'm always going to have a special place in my heart for physical media. But like, think about kids growing up now, the generation of people who are 10 years and under, they may never even see a disc. It's all digital content now. So that might not even be an issue for them in the future. And it's crazy thinking back, like when I was younger, and this is kind of different, but again, uh, stadia is being described as the netflix of games right the thing is when i was a kid when i made like christmas lists and stuff or birthday lists i would put dvds on it and like i still have physical copies of a bunch of dvds and granted every now and again even these days i will if i really love a movie and i see the blu-ray for a reasonable price i will pick it up but like it's just not the kind of thing that people buy anymore and like even like black friday sales are happening now and i'm sure we'll talk about black friday in a couple weeks in our experiences but like even in like best buys ad you see like at least two pages of like these blu-rays and these dvds are on sale and i see that and i think consciously who cares so like maybe we'll eventually be at the same point with games i don't see that there's still i think a lot in the way of that happening but you know maybe for, for all I know, 10 years ago, or whenever Netflix started, people were like, what is the deal with this? You know, it doesn't make any sense. Although at the beginning of Netflix, it was, there actually were physical discs involved and it was the mailing service. I think you so, can still do that with Netflix, right? I think like you, if you go on probably. their website, you can sign up for the DVD mailing service. I just don't know anybody who actually does it. It's crazy. I mean, I, you know, I still use a red box now and again, but, but like you said, tactic, like we're in an, living in an age of digital content. So in theory, it does make a lot of sense for, you know, video games to go that way as well. But I just, I don't know if there's a difference between watching a movie that's just being streamed to you and playing a game. And like, how many times have we been watching Hulu or Netflix or whatever you rent a movie and halfway through it stops even just for a few seconds to buffer like in a movie environment, yeah that's okay it's not going to kill you in a game environment it could be critical so like i just don't know Uh, like you said i just i don't think we're there yet i think the future i think the next 10 20 years will be really interesting because i think that our infrastructure at least for internet will improve drastically but again there's markets where that just isn't an an option like there are some countries where the internet is not very developed so if you did rely on a streaming service you would be completely screwed like you wouldn't be able to play your games so i I do agree if if we do move towards that future it's a long ways off and i do think there's got to be a lot of legal things that happen things that are more well-defined because you do have these things like lost games if a publisher like the agreement to host the game on a streaming service runs out that game could be lost forever and it's not like a movie or a tv show like you said like you can watch those you can find an old clip on youtube you can watch like a a shaky hand cam someone took and there's a record of a, a movie or a tv show out there somewhere and watching it is not like there's no difference between watching it on a dvd that you own versus watching it off of youtube but with a game 
sure, you can watch someone play. You can probably dig up some old Let's Plays or streams, but it's not the same because you're not actually experiencing it. So I think there's a lot of digital media rights things that need to be worked out legally, too. And like who owns games when they're digital, like licensing, stuff like that. It's just a very complicated and messy arena. And I don't think anybody's really looked into it that deeply. And it needs to happen. Now, do you think that, so a year from now, Google is planning on putting out this Stadia Pro, which is going to have lower resolution graphics, but it's going to be $10 a month. So essentially a very similar pro, uh, price point to Netflix and stuff. If a, if we're a year down the road, the technology has stabilized, you know, we've decided that Google is not just going to throw this the way of Google Glass. Does Does that sweeten the pot enough for you to consider it or are you still you know, bowing out in favor of, of Microsoft service or in favor of no cloud service, you know, where do you stand on that? So I, I play video games and buy a console to, to be immersed into a new world. And if you're automatically selling me with, yeah, the graphics are going to be kind of crappy, but it's going to be cheap. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Okay. Don't, don't do that. Give me good graphics, please. Yeah, I think it's almost catering to a different market unless they can really get the fidelity of games down and your internet speeds don't matter and you're you're still going to get that amazing console quality experience. I think, and I hesitate to call myself or any of us here on this podcast, hardcore quote unquote gamers, um, but I think we're more hardcore than the general population um, just because we probably play more um, and I think for us, it's not appealing, but I could imagine if you're someone who sees the evolution of Twitch and sees gaming blowing up and becoming this mainstream thing, maybe it appeals to people like that where you don't know if you want to commit to buying a console, but maybe you're okay with, because I I guess I don't really truly know as much about Stadia as I probably should, but can you run it without the dongle? Like say you had it on your computer, I'm pretty sure you could play Google Stadia. I believe currently you cannot. But the that's like coming in cannot, the future. But it's, it's coming in 2020, I believe. So like future state, you could pay your $10 a month, give it a try, play it on your computer, see if you like it. And then if you don't, no harm done. You didn't sink $200 into a console. Yeah. You, yes. you were out 10 bucks. So I could see it appealing to people who aren't super ingrained in gaming already i think it's a good stepping stone maybe for people but i think there's so many limitations and things lacking that you would quickly grow out of stadia unless it changes super dramatically yeah so we we should move on but one thing i do want to note in closing have you guys seen the controller for this thing I I i want your i want your thoughts on this because i think it looks bad I, I, I think it looks like a worse version of the Xbox controller. And I know people love the Xbox controller, but when I look at the Stadia controller, it looks like something that did not have a whole lot of design put into it. It's a very, very flat shape that it doesn't seem particularly ergonomic to me. Um, what it reminds me of is yeah. if I go back to playing, oh man, I think it was when I got my Raspberry Pi, like, six years ago and I didn't want to try to figure out how to get my wireless Xbox one controller to interact with the games. It was, I just wasn't that invested in my raspberry Pi at the time. I just wanted like a quick solution. I didn't want to buy the $30 dongle. So I bought a $10 controller off of Amazon that had no design put into it whatsoever. And this is what it looks like. That's literally That's what, what, like. what I was going to say. It reminds me of the the ShopRite brand of an Xbox controller. I think it's like yeah. like GamePad or something like that. Like it's it's clearly trying to be the same thing, but corners were cut at various stages. It's like that, that that's what I see in it. But I don't know. I mean, maybe it's maybe it's great. I haven't held it, and that's the most important thing. Um, in any case, Stadia is out now. If you want to be in on the Founders Edition, even though we just spent like. 15 minutes crabbing on it um go check it out and uh if you do have it already and want to dispute any of what we said about it do hit us up on social media they'll use this as an excuse to mention our social media accounts we have our main twitter account at online warriors one 
Uh, we also have our host accounts. I am at OW Illegal 86. We have at OW Nerd Bomber and at OW Tactic. So uh, go hit us up. Start a, start a conversation with us. Uh, we're there to uh, interact with our lovely audience. Um, we are going to do a quick ad break here, but before we do, uh, I want to make mention of our fantastic Patreon producer, Mr. Ben Checkness. Uh, ben supports us on Patreon at the highest of our three levels, which is the night level. And as a result, he gets a producer shout out on every episode in addition to input into our game segment. And soon enough, he's going to be joining us again for some exclusive on-air time with us. That could be you guys. You could talk to us about how much Google Stadia is bad or something else. Who knows? Um, if you want to be like Ben, you can head on over to our Online Warriors uh, Patreon page at patreon.com slash online warriors podcast. And as I mentioned, there are three levels of support. Ben supports at the night level, um, which gets him producer credit. It gets him uh, access to our weekly, sorry, our monthly uh, secret segment and our monthly vlog. Uh, you can also uh, support us at the Squire level, which gets you access to the monthly secret segment and monthly vlog. You can also support us at the page level, which gets you access to the monthly secret segment. So uh, we would really appreciate it. We'd appreciate any support. We love doing what we do. And um, we love anyone who uh, loves that we do it. So feel free to go check us out. And uh, in the meantime, let's hear from some of our friends. What's up, nerds? This is Rich, the host of the Three Fat Nerds podcast. I would like to invite you to check out our podcast. We have two shows every week, and both of our shows are about everything that is pop culture and nerdum. That's right. We talk about movies. We talk about comics. We talk about video games. We talk about role-playing games. We talk about Dungeons and & Dragons, and so much more. You can find us anywhere you get podcasts just by searching Three Fat Nerds. Also, while you're at it, go ahead and like our page on Facebook, Three Fat Nerds Podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Three Fat Nerds Pod. And of course, you can check out our website, 8122productions.com. Most importantly, I hope you enjoy the show. With that being said, there's only one thing left to say. That's later, nerds. We are back and we are here to um, enter the spin zone on our sports topic for the week, uh, which is uh, the Miles Garrett incident. So for those that do not know, Miles Garrett is a defensive lineman, I believe, for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, we're talking about NFL football now. I don't know if anyone... Uh, I, I want to say NFL football because football can be soccer and et cetera. But anyways, uh, in a Thursday night game last week, playing against uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, actually the Browns were winning by quite a bit. I think it was 21 to seven, the game's final seconds and Pittsburgh had the ball. Um, Miles Garrett uh, sacked. Well, actually he did not sack um, Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph had thrown the ball away. Um, it was not, however, I would not call it a late hit. I think it was a clean hit. I think he just kind of took Mason Rudolph down. Mason Rudolph, having been in a few scrapes himself already this year, did not care for that. So he tried to take off Miles Garrett's helmet. And then, anyways, a scuffle ensued. Miles Garrett took off Mason Rudolph's helmet and hit him in the head with it. And if you haven't seen this footage, um, it's wild. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I want to publicly recommend that you go watch it because it's also, and it's not like bloody or anything, but it's like pretty vicious. Um, and obviously, you know, people were in an uproar, uh, fans of the game, um, you know, uh, pundits were all saying like he should be suspended for however long he has been suspended indefinitely. As of this recording, he is still suspended indefinitely. I believe at bare minimum for the remainder of the regular season and the postseason. Although the Browns probably aren't going to make the postseason, so I guess I just you know just to open things up, I do want to ask you guys: um, Do you think that's a fair punishment? Do you think it should be a lifelong ban? I mean, wh where's your head at on this? So I'm gonna attack this the way I attack any real issue like this within major s national sports by swinging a helmet at it. Yeah. 
all <laughs> of these athletes are role models, and they need to always refer back to that. Doesn't matter what sport you're in, you're always a role model for the youth. And one of the most important things to have, and this is on both sides of this scruffle, is good sportsmanship. If if you got knocked down, even if it was a bad hit, shrug it off, get back to the next play, and do do your business. Don't try scrapping. Don't hit someone with a helmet. Be the bigger man and be a good role model for our youth. I think that is the most important thing. They're paying you ridiculous amounts of money to just go out there, do your job, and that's it. Not to try to make make a scene. Right. And, and, and again, worth noting, I think I mentioned this, but like the game is essentially over at this point. It's out of reach for Pittsburgh to win. Um, Cleveland has won. So like there's no need. I mean, even if, okay, even if the game was close, there isn't need for any of this, but like there is especially no need for any of it in a game that's completely out of hand. It's completely over. And there's, there's just no place for it. Even in a sport so violent as the NFL and it's, it's seeing kind of some rule changes now to make it less violent. But like, obviously there's, I don't know if there is a rule for like, you can't, I'm sure there is a rule. You can't swing a helmet at somebody, but I also feel like, they might not have thought that they would need to like write that down. It's kind of just like, a, should this be kind of codified in our, in our general morals as human beings? But uh nerd bomber, where are you at? So, okay. So my initial reaction when I first saw the footage was, wow, that was totally egregious and uncalled for. Yeah. Then seeing the different camera angles that captured Mason Rudolph trying to wrench his helmet off. I can kind of understand why he took Mason Rudolph's helmet off. However, I think it should have ended there. I think he should have maybe like yes. thrown it across the field, maybe not tried to bean Mason Rudolph in the head with it. I think it would have been totally justified if he grabbed his helmet and just like tossed it away or something out of anger. Cause I can understand like your head is your biggest asset. And I don't know. I feel like you want to protect your head. So having someone try to take off your helmet, I can understand why tempers might have flared and he would have grabbed at the other guy's helmet. But right. swinging it at someone's head, I think that's just totally uncalled for. If you didn't suspend him, I think that's that's a bad precedent as the NFL. Um, as it was, that caused a huge scuffle. I mean, Miles Garrett was also then n- attacked. I don't know if that's the right word, but I mean, he was kicked no, in the he head was. a couple times. He was yeah, basically he was punched mugged. and kicked. I mean, those guys got suspended too. I just think the entire thing yeah. was uncalled for. And even just like, I, I, Mason Rudolph, I think it's key to point out, did not get any punishment, though. And at the end of the day, like, okay, you took a hit, but you shouldn't be trying to wrench someone's helmet off for doing their job in the game because it wasn't a really dirty hit at all. It was pretty much just in the flow of the game. And so I feel like that needs to be looked at. And maybe something needs to be said there because as a rookie, I mean, you shouldn't be instigating things like that either. So, so uh, Mason Rudolph, for first of all, you're right. He's not going to be suspended. He will be fined is what I'm reading right Big now. Big whoop. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. Not something that he probably cares too much about. Um, and, and of course, of course you have people like uh, Marquise Pouncey, who was the guy who the offensive lineman for the Steelers, who was trying to separate the two. And then later after the helmet thing happened, he, like I said, was punching and kicking Miles um, Garrett. He claims to have blacked out. And he also essentially stands by his actions saying that, you know, if someone goes after my quarterback, I'm going to take them down, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, I, I've seen a, a wide range of reactions to this. Um, I have seen people saying, you know, Mason Rudolph should also be taken to task at least a little bit for this. I mean, he didn't swing the helmet, but it could definitely be argued that he started, you know, uh, something that eventually escalated to where it went. Um, I've seen people say that uh, Miles Garrett, you know, this is a criminal situation where, you know, that's assault with a deadly weapon. Um, I don't know to the extent, uh, to what extent police were involved in any of this. I, I did see something at one point that said police were in the locker room at one point, but I don't know that's, that should be considered unsubstantiated. Actually, um, that's a really interesting point. When it comes to yeah. sports, there's so many things that happen, especially when you think about physical sports. So like football, hockey, things like that, where like fighting and checking and getting hit is a natural part of the game. At what point does that cross over into assault? Right. So, um, yeah, I, I have an AP News article in front of me right now saying that the Cleveland police are not pursuing charges. Um, 
possibly because they are the Cleveland police and it's a member of the Cleveland Browns in question. I don't know. Um, I, you know, we, we see things like, um, Savante's perfect. One of the dirtiest players in the league was suspended for the rest of the season, uh, for a helmet to helmet hit. Um, so, you know, I, I think with something like this, a, a suspension that lasts for the rest of this season is the bare minimum that should be done past that. You know, I, I, I'm not sure if the suspension should bleed into next year. I think he's on very thin ice the same way. I think he's on thin ice now the same way that Vontae's perfect is and was, you know, Vontae's perfect is now kind of given his history is under what's essentially a, um, Oh shoot. What's, what's the word? It's like, they're going to throw the book at him every time if he does something wrong. And miles Garrett you know, up until now, I think has had a relatively clean record, but he's going to be in the same situation now where he's going to be watched very aggressively. If he does anything um, that could even be construed as violent, he's going to get at least a fine slapped on him or worse. So, I, you know, I don't know. I, I It felt appropriate to talk about this just because, as you mentioned, Tectic, there's just no place in the game for this. And, you know, man, seeing the footage of Rudolph getting whacked by that helmet. So Rudolph for those that don't know earlier in the season was concussed in the Raven Steelers game. And did you, did you guys see that game or what happened when he got hit? Yeah, that was just, that was honestly kind of scary and sickening because essentially for those of you who haven't seen the clip, um, this is kind of squeamish. So if you, if you don't like like these type of things, yeah, like basically midair, he just goes limp and drops and like his fingers pointing and he's just like out yeah. So, so I mean, t- with that in mind, I, I don't condone what anyone has done. I mean, uh, so many players are getting fined or suspended for this. Uh, I know that um, I saw yesterday players who left the because the bench is cleared when this happened and players who left the bench and came onto the field are getting fined. They're just finding everybody who is involved um, and suspending a number of people as well. Also worth noting, there's a game, the, the second uh, Steelers Browns game of the season because they're in the same division. They play each other twice. I want to say it's like two weeks from now or like a week from now. It's like there's a really short window between them. So um, officials and just kind of higher ups in the league are going to be very, very on um, on high alert for this game. Um, but, you know, going back to Mason Rudolph's position and all this, I don't condone what he did. But given what he's been through, I can understand him being at least a little skittish about don't hit me this way. Don't hit me that way. I you know, almost died. That's that, that's what it looked like is in that first Ravens game in that hit. It seemed like he, you know, really went through something there and uh, maybe that's why he got so upset with Garrett. I don't know why the inclination is to take his helmet off. I guess you could lay a punch on him. I, I honestly don't know. Um, but that being said, all of these athletes who are getting major concussions, like that wasn't even a minor one where they didn't catch it until like after the game or something when they were viewing the tape. Right. That was a major concussion. And he right. had a relatively quick turnaround time from the time he went down and looked like he almost died on the field to playing again, which is just yeah. absurd. You have to wonder at what point if you're going to be skittish and you're this is going to haunt you, like, is it worth it? Is it worth playing again? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I know but, you've I mean, worked your whole life to get to that point. But at the end of the day, when you have a hit that scary, like he's lucky that he's walking. I don't know. Well, and, and you know, even this, this Miles Garrett incident. So when Miles Garrett hits him with this helmet, he hits him with kind of like the bottom part, cl- actually close to the part you put your head into. If he, if he hits Mason Rudolph on the top of the head with the crown of this helmet, things are way way worse and like i don't even want to think about how bad they could have been so that's another element that you have to bring into all this and bring into the punishment phase of it is it's not how bad was it it's how bad could it have been and it could have been so so much worse so you know um like i said it just felt appropriate to kind of to kind of uh unpack that and 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 talk about it a little bit um I know Miles Garrett will be appealing his suspension. I have no idea what he plans on saying. I don't know what you could say, you know, given the footage that's in front of him. I think his current argument, if I remember correctly, is um, players can't be suspended indefinitely for on-field incidents. But, is that really a thing? Yeah, according to the CBA. 
um, which is the collective bargaining agreement that the NFL Players Association has. Um, you can't be susp- so like we've seen indefinite suspensions before. I believe Adrian Peterson was indefinitely suspended for a while. Ray Rice, of course, was a very famous case. Kareem Hunt, I believe, was also indefinitely suspended. Um, but those are all for off-field incidents. On-field so can't incidents, they just lay like a five-year su- su- bleh, 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 suspension on him? I believe that the t- typically what the maximum is is six games. And if it's over six games, it just jumps right to indefinite. Um, so I think that's kind of what happened here is they said, okay, well, it's got to be more than six games because wow. So it's indefinite. Um, I think that's his argument. It's going to be his argument at the league office is it was an on the field incident. So by this agreement, I can't be suspended for longer than X. And, and granted, even if they, you know, say, okay, sure. And, and hit him with the maximum of six, the Browns ain't going to the playoffs. So, you know, that'll be it for his season. With that said, I think it should be longer than six games. Can you be ejected from the NFL totally? Like, can you be expelled for something that you've done on the field? <sighs> I feel like there, um, that has to be like, there are things you could do on the field or in game that are so, so bad or dangerous. Oh, sure. that you're just not safe to play in the league anymore. I mean, the NFL has to watch their own public image, so I'm I'm sure they they have a clause where they can fire him for any reason they want. Yeah, well, I don't know. I wouldn't be so sure. The collective bargaining agreement is, again, it it, it seems like it's very very uh, stringent about off field incidents, but on the field, you know, they're put. I think the argument must be that they're playing a game. What happens in the game happens in the game. Now, granted, like you said, Nerbomber, like one of these players could shoot somebody on the field, and you know then you know is it technically an on-field incident like you know what happens then um so i don't know where this is going i would imagine the suspension will be upheld again as you said tactic the league has an image to uphold and if you see this footage you know there's a lot of people that think he shouldn't play the, like, the game again um so i think anything less than at least this entire season would not be a good look now we've seen uh the nfl and roger goodell it could be argued that they've they've bungled uh disciplinary actions like this before so i you know everyone will be watching to see what happens but i would imagine the suspension will be upheld so if you're playing football don't swing your helmet at somebody i you know i would hope that you didn't need me to tell you that to know not to do it um but something to think about i guess let's talk about our weeks we're in that section of the show that glorious section what are you up to wednesday uh and let's swing it over to tactic to start today okay so this past week and you guys are going to all make fun of me but i very much enjoy the christmas holiday so what i do why would i make fun of you this is great so far as soon as I can, I decorate the inside of my house with Christmas decorations, but only the inside. And so if you walk in my house, it is a winter wonderland, but none of my neighbors know. And none of my neighbors can know because I don't want them to think that I am a crazy Christmas fanatic. So what's your cutoff point? Like, did you reach a certain date and you were like, okay, now it's okay for me to do this? Or is it just you feel it out? It's when I when it's basically when I finish eating the Halloween candy leftovers. <laughs> okay, that's a pretty good rule. Um, I mean, I don't, I, you know, I so we're not fully decorated here yet, but I'm actually I can see from where I'm sitting. There's a few decorations up. We're putting our tree up this weekend, um, which incidentally you guys gave to me. So thank you for that. It's a great. Tree. Um, it's a fantastic tree. It really is. Um, anyways, go on. I I I barged in on your christmas decoration so yeah by the way we have a fake tree i know there's a lot of uh haters that say you got to go real but that's just never been a tradition of mine i like the the good old fake tree and um we've got almost every room's decorated and the next step will be me to get into the baking spirit so the goal is to gain 10 pounds in baked goods what wait hold on back back up the goal is for you to gain 10 pounds or you're saying you're going to bake 10 pounds of cookies i'm going to eat (laughs) so many baked goods that i gain 10 pounds okay so okay it is the former okay interesting tis Um, the season 
what's your Christmas cookie? What's your weapon of choice here? If you had to gain that 10 pounds with, with only one cookie, what would it be? I'm not a big cookie guy. I like to bake breads, actually. Santa is wow. not disappointed either because good pumpkin bread or zucchini bread or banana bread, all fantastic options. Yeah, I mean, you, you want to gain 10 pounds. You just mentioned two of the three of those had vegetables in it and the other one had fruit. So I think if you want to really get to that 10 pounds quickly, you're going to you're gonna need some, some more sugar involved. But Trust me, there's plenty of sugar in my breads. Don't you knock my breads. <laughs> Well, when does it be? When does it stop becoming a bread and start becoming a cake? Think about know. that. Think, think, think about that, and I'll get back to you next week, I guess. I just bought some of those. You ever, you ever at the grocery store and you see, see that little white Pillsbury Doughboy gesturing at you know those little circle sugar cookies that have like Christmas trees on them. Oh, those just, are amazing. They're so. I saw them. and I was like, you know, you've been at the grocery store where you see something and you're like, wow, I have to buy this. I could have zero dollars in my account and i'd be like i'll take the overdraft fee to buy these so i have them in my fridge right now i think i'm gonna bake them up tomorrow very excited do it tis the season when does the outdoor decoration happen that has to happen after thanksgiving lest you be judged by your neighbors correct understood uh nerd bomber what do you have so i have two words for you guys and then i'm going to do a, a quick spoiler warning the mandalorian oh yeah let's talk about this and i know you've both watched this so if you guys are holding off and you haven't subscribed to disney plus and you don't want any spoilers for the mandalorian i suggest you skip ahead in the timestamps to the next section but for now i want to deep dive into my favorite new thing ever baby freaking yoda baby yoda oh my god Like, I know it's not Yoda, but I don't know what else to call him. And Baby Yoda is probably the cutest thing that I've ever seen. Maybe only accepting Baby Groot, but like, they're pretty high up there. They might be really down to those two. I saw your Twitter poll. I voted for, I believe I voted for Baby Yoda, but it's close. It's very close. The scene of him playing with a frog, just amazing. Mm. My oh, heart the scene, melted. The scene where he's using the force. He's like trying so hard and we're like, you you got this little guy. You got this. It wasn't like, you know, how relatable is that? He tries really hard at something and then he sleeps for like 12 hours. I'm like, that's what I want my life to be. Try really hard at something and then sleep for 12 hours. Do you think he's ever going to speak? I think eventually. So my, my hopes and dreams for the Mandalorian now that Baby Yoda is in my life. I want Baby Yoda to be a key part of the Mandalorian moving forward. I want him to develop a, a big relationship with the Mandalorian where maybe it's like a, a father-son type thing or like a, a mentor-mentee. And then they r- like frolic through the universe together, collecting bounties and being best friends. Right. Well, and ep- episode three is going to be crazy because he's presumably going to go back to Werner Herzog and be like, you know, he's clearly already very protective of, of Baby Yoda. So he's going to probably start a fight with those stormtroopers and just run off with this Baby Yoda. And then who knows what's going to happen. If that doesn't happen, I'm going to be the most disappointed person it ever. And I know happen. it's super predictable, but like, that's what I want. They know how cute Baby Yoda is. They, that's totally where this is going. And I don't think he's ever going to speak. He's 50 years old and he's not saying anything. So unless he goes, bah! like, that's going to be what you're going to get. He'll just say like Mando or something, you know, something like that. I, you know, I'm, I'm conflicted because I think baby Yoda is extremely cute. I think he's going to be a great plot device, but here's the thing. He has to die, right? I mean, he has to. Shut your face. I'm just saying he like, this is taking place in between Return of the Jedi and uh, Force Awakens. There is no place for baby Yoda in the late trilogy. I think he either dies or, I mean, you know, maybe it's like a Yoda situation where he just goes to Dagobah. And the just galaxy big. is a large place. Just because True. they didn't have it in the Force Awakens storyline doesn't mean they weren't in another location in the galaxy far, far away. I mean, I will say they keep telling us that this final movie in Star Wars is going to be the end of the Skywalker saga. Like that entire thing is done. So maybe, maybe this is going to lead into whatever the next chapter for Star Wars is. The Baby Yoda Chronicles. I would sign up for that. I would go see every single movie. Like, 
Disney has a monopoly on cute baby creatures, and they know exactly how to pull your heartstrings because they introduce these cute baby characters and then you're sold. Like, Baby Groot has probably sold more merchandise and stupid things. Like, I almost bought a Baby Groot Chia pet. Do I need one? Would I ever take care of it? No, but I almost bought it. I mean, you didn't need it, but you probably should have bought it. I exercised some restraint and then instead bought a Baby Groot figure. Okay, reasonable. Um, I so does it does that summarize your your update, Baby? More Yoda? or less, yeah. Baby <laughs> yeah. Yoda and just the Mandalorian being. I mean, I guess I did it's expect great. it to be good, but it's great. I enjoy it, it. It. I I am pleasantly surprised. I had doubts going in. I mean, I mean, is it the main reason I got Disney Plus? Yeah, but that doesn't mean I didn't still have doubts going in. But like, the production values are absolutely outstanding. Um great action so far uh really excited to see where it goes it's um, i think it's yeah. really really good i have spoken oh yeah that okay that guy is great that he deserves almost as much mention as baby yoda like he like fixes the mandalorian's whole ship and the mandalorian's like what do i owe you he's like you're good man <laughs> i'm just like wow this is this guy's the bomb like, there was a little part of me that hoped that he would take the Mandalorian's invitation to join the crew. Because could you imagine a crew of that guy, Baby Yoda, oh, and the man. Mandalorian? That's like be there. best friends adventures in space. Yes, please. I hope I hope he comes back. I, I mean, I, I think there's a lot, like, I love the whole, the whole Beskar steel thing. Like, I think that could be a really cool upgrade mechanic for a TV show. Like, it, it felt video gamey, right? When you take the, when he takes the Beskar steel to that forger and he forges the, I can't remember the name of it, the thing that goes on his shoulder. It's like, okay, I have one piece of, I'm going to get a bunch more pieces and eventually I'm going to have a really, really badass suit of armor. I was like, that is cool. So I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm excited to see what backstory the, the protagonist is given. Um, on and it my was end, funny. It was funny. Yeah, I, I, I think, uh, I think it has potential to get even funnier. I think we're going to see a lot more characters get involved. Were you um, disappointed that he, the team up didn't last for the uh, the assassin droid? Um, I did like the assassin droid. I, the thing, the thing about the assassin droid is you can you might see more, right? Because that was IG eleven. We know IG eighty eight exists. That's a character in the universe, and it, you know he's a he's a bounty guild droid there's probably a bunch of them out there um so hopefully we see more of them and, and maybe they have similar personalities voiced by taika watiti also if you didn't know that which is kind of a cool little tidbit um about the mandalorian also the score is amazing anyways we should move on but the mandalorian's great go check it out um we should despoiler the rest of the episode uh we are going to talk about star wars more because the quiz is star wars related today but my update also in addition to watching the Mandalorian, I have really two things. Uh, one, I have actually um, started decorating the outside of my house early, which is unprecedented because I usually wait until after Thanksgiving. I also don't usually decorate the outside of my house very much. The neighbors so are going to judge you. The neighbors can go suck my big toe. That's It's going to get cold, man. I want to get it done before it gets cold. Um, also, they were really good like deals at target for like outdoor light shout out to target uh opinion question for the both of you how do you feel about the big the big uh string lights you know the lights that aren't the little tiny twinkly ones they're like the big like the big boys the big bulbs yeah the big bulbs so growing up at my parents house that is what we used like our outside decorations were exclusively those until i probably got a little bit older then my dad started to get into like the the string lights the uh icicles and then mm-hmm. now it's a combination of both but i do really like those on our house personally we don't use them but i actually did we were in target the other day and i suggested to Tectic. i was like oh we should get those we should do that yeah i got i got them. they were on sale i got i purposely chose the big bulbs and i'm very pleased with the, how they've turned out i'll probably post a photo at some point um last thing before we get to fantasy movie league in the game um i'm re-watching the old trilogy star wars with my girlfriend who has never seen them shout out to my girlfriend um i watched we watched new hope on sunday and we watched empire last night and i gotta say empire has never been really my favorite in spite of the fact that it's everyone else's favorite but after watching last night again 
I feel like I'm just, I'm gaining more and more of an understanding of why it's so great, more and more enjoyment of it. So looking forward to return because return is my favorite personally of all of them, but empire was great. So, um, yeah, uh, looking forward to seeing rise of Skywalker in December and we're just kind of getting caught up for that. The fantasy movie league, um, guys, I, I did manage to fill out a lineup this week. That's the good news. The bad news is I still did terribly. Um, running down the list, though, our winner this week, Justin AR Radio Moving Pictures, coming in at 61. Uh, Heck, it's tech at number two with 59. Our good friend Ben at 58 and a half. Spitfire at 58 and a half, just a little bit under under Ben. Nerd Bomber, number five at 57, closer to 58, actually. Uh, Tactic at number six with 54. Mecha Yoda at 52. And then there's me, also at 52. Actually, shout out to Mecha Yoda. Me and him, or her, submitted exactly the same Cineplex, and it was bad. <laughs> um, I, bit, I bet a little bit too much on Charlie's Angels. Uh, Florida Hawk at number nine with 49, and Hipster Pop Geek at number 10 with $48 million. Uh, looking at the overall, I'm not going to, I'm not going to read the entire slate just because we're running a little short on time, but Hipster Pop Geek still in a comfortable lead at 288. Uh, Justin AR Radio at 234, making up some ground. So, um, if you want to get in on the fun Fantasy Movie League, you can head on over to fantasymovieleague.com. Look up our league, which is the Online Warriors podcast, and uh, it is a private league, but the password to get in is podcast, all lowercase. Tactic, I believe you are our game master this week. I am. So today's guess if it's a real or fake game is Star Wars Species. So, illegal. You have clouded to be the expert of the three of us so i have a lot to prove here i'm expecting a w from you wow uh stakes are high so are you folks ready i was born ready i am good to go okay the first species is referred to as the armorans that's fake i'm gonna say that's real the armorans are a fox-like species that is real. So you're saying I'm already losing. Great. Let's, let's keep, let's keep yeah. rolling. <laughs> the second species are referred to as the Yadi. Fake? I'm going to say fake as well. That is my fake name for the Yoda species. That's what I kind of figured. It sounded too much like Yoda. And after talking about baby Yoda for like whatever we talked about it for like five minutes, it sounded too familiar to me. I thought it was like uh, Lil Yachty, you know, the rapper. <laughs> Anyways. That is a okay. species in itself. Still, yeah. Okay, so I'm still only down by one. I'm still in this. The next one is the Sircan. That's real. real. They are a species of with cone-like heads to fit their extra heart in. And they're also pretty good at mind control. Wow. Okay. The next species are the Vela. That's real. You seem very confident, so I'm going to steal your answer and say it's real. That is real. The Vela are a amphibious humanoid inhabitants of the planet Velron. That was actually the, that was the first one that I actually knew for sure. Okay. The next species are the Farlaw. That's fake. I'm going to go real. That is fake. Mm. Yes. The far law are fake. Sounds too like too much like the last one. Vela? Nah. Yeah. Also, I think it's, v- isn't it Vila? Or am I wrong about that? It doesn't matter. Keep going. V-E-L-L-A. The next species are the Kobach. Real. That's fake. That is real. Dang it. The Kobach are an insectoid species from planet Koboth. So wait, am I winning again? Yeah, you're winning again. You are up by I'm, one. I'm blown Being the Star Wars master. Oh, yeah. I'm, bl- I'm absolutely blown it. Okay. Continue. This last one. This is the last one? Yeah, I'm doing it out of seven. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, I, this is it's a must-win situation for me. Continue. You can either tie it up 
or lose. This last one are the Rishi. That's fake. Okay, hold on. So, worst case scenario, if I go against you and I'm right, I win. If I go against you and I'm not right, then we just tie. tie. So, you could just say the same thing as me and cruise to victory. But do you want to be that guy? I'm going to say they're real. The Rishi are an avian species from planet Rishi. Wait, so this one's a real one? You didn't make it up? Yeah, it's real. I thought you said Mishi. Rishi? Yes. They have human-like hands at the end of their wings. How do you spell it? R-I-S-H-I-I. Oh, the Rishi Maze. I'm an idiot. Anyways, uh, I've lost. The Rishi... You don't know about the Rishi Maze? Why do I know about the Rishi Maze? I picked them because they reminded me of my Dungeons and Dragons character, if I'm being honest. The Rishi, what oh man, I can't remember what the Rishi maze is now. It's it's like a line in one of the movies. Okay, well I blew it. Uh, that's all right. There's it, there's always next week, you know. So uh, Ill Eagle got beat in basically Star Wars trivia by Nerd Bomber. Oh yeah, I'm not gonna um, let you live that down. I, you you won't be able to let me live it down because I will I will be dead, <laughs> out of shame. Um, well that's a bummer. But uh, we hope you enjoyed listening and listening to me lose at a game that was designed for me to win. Uh, If you liked what you hear, what you heard, uh, you can head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a good review. We'd love to see that. We love reading reviews, especially if they're positive, but even if they're not. Um, And we thank you, as always, for listening to us for yet another week. We'll be back again next week to talk to you about all things nerd with a special guest. Oh yeah, looking forward to it. Boop boop.